Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Thanks, team. Well, here we are in 2021. I love 2021. Um, hopefully, we've all got enough toilet paper for 2021. And uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this year and we trust you for this year. Father, we thank you for this incredible nation that we live in. And Father, we pray for um, favour and blessing on this nation. And God, I just pray for uh, my message now. I pray that you'll speak to us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so during January, we've been doing a three-week theme called This Is How I Fight My Battles. I won't sing it for you. And we're talking about four things that have emerged during COVID. And today is the last week. And why have things emerged during COVID? Well, they say that during crisis, um, things accelerate and things are revealed. So anything that has been simmering away under the surface during COVID has come to the surface. It's been revealed. In the last two weeks, we've looked at loneliness and relationship tension. And this week, we've been looking at addiction and mental health. So I just want to thank Matt for that incredible testimony. Uh, Thank you, Matt, for your honesty, for your vulnerability, for going there. Because you're willing to do that, it brings hope into other people's stories. So we really, really appreciate your sharing of your story. And today, I'm going to speak on mental health. Let me kick off with this scripture. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. If you don't hear anything that I say today, I want you to remember that scripture and regularly speak it to yourself. You know, in this last season of COVID, there's been a lot of fear. There's been fear in the news. There's been fear in the media, in the advertising campaigns, in social media, in people's conversation But this scripture tells us that fear is not from God. Fear is never from God. And in fact, fear in our life brings us short, brings us short of what God has for our life, brings us always short of the best life that we can have. A sound mind, listen to this, is a stable and positive attitude and outlook. It is an outlook of hope, faith, And love. It is not overly concerned with cares and problems of this world. It's a mind that is alert. It recognizes who we are. It recognizes our identity and it anchors itself into that identity in Christ. It doesn't depend on human wisdom and strength, which is fleeting and changes every five minutes. It is a mind that is not anxious. A sound mind stabilizes our inner world. You know, the storm might be raging all around us, but the storm doesn't have to get in us. And that's this picture I love of Jesus in the boat. The storm was raging all around him, but he was asleep in the boat because the storm was out there. It didn't get in him. And that's the mind. That's what a sound mind does. A sound mind keeps the storm out there and not in you. So turn to the person next to you if you're watching with someone and go, I have a sound mind that stabilizes my entire in our world. All right, we're going to look briefly at some statistics. I'm going to share my story and then a few lessons from Scripture. So listen to the statistics, church. 
Eight Australians die every day by suicide. That's more than the road toll. 50%, this is a 50% increase, increase since 2011. In New South Wales, almost half of the population are expected to experience mental illness in their lifetime. Over 65,000 Australians make a suicide attempt each year. Suicide is the leading cause of death for Australians between the ages of 15 and 44. Young people are the most medicated generation in human history. For each life lost to suicide, the impacts are felt by up to 135 people, including family members, work colleagues, friends, and first-time responders at the time of death. So I've got to tell you, it is an epidemic. And um, mental health in this church will never be a taboo subject. And, you know, once you've suffered mental health, you feel a bond to those who have suffered um, or are suffering with mental health. And there's different degrees of mental health. You know, you hear the saying, I took a mental health day off from work, and that's kind of slightly feeling overwhelmed. But then there is severe mental health prognosis, and it's all defined by the length of duration and disability it produces. Right, so just share briefly my story. When I was six, my mum was diagnosed with schizophrenia. She was admitted to hospital and the psychiatrist told my dad, your wife will never get out of hospital. She'd be in an institution for the rest of her life. But how wrong was he? She did try to take her life a few times. As a young child, everyone responds differently, but I basically withdrew into an imaginary world. I had imaginary pets, imaginary friends. I even had an imaginary boyfriend who was extremely good looking in my mind and very good at tennis. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't real. In year 11 and 12, I went through depression. Um, I thought I was the antichrist. I figured if everybody else was perfect, I must be the most imperfect person. So I thought I must, I was waiting for the revelation that I'm, you know, that I'd be the antichrist. I self-harmed. I thought about taking my life from the age of 18, when I left school, I started my um, journey to health and really meeting Mark and started going out with Mark was a big key and becoming a Christian at the age of 20 was a big key to that and I found out I'm not the Antichrist, so don't panic. God had a plan for our family and it was one of fruitfulness. The enemy tried to came, come in and destroy our family, but my mum, you know, lying in that hospital bed, wrestled and surrendered her life to God. And then she started a 10-year journey of getting back to health. And my mum now is 86. She's a walk, what I call a walking miracle. Uh, in her emotional, physical and mental health, she's accelerated past her peers. She takes day excursions to the regional areas, Sydney, Central Coast. She's undaunted by life. She's up to date with all the current affairs. She's a voracious reader and she has, throughout her life, she has given hospitality to thousands. Um, last month, she got a brain scan and she emailed all the kids to let us know that it had come back clear. And my brother, wrote in the email trail, wrote this. Dear Ma, your brain is indeed an icon. The envy of every brain in the old people's village for sure. If your brain was a book, it would be a bestseller. And that is a testimony to the goodness of God. So lastly, I want to go to the Bible and read from a story in 1 Kings 8 and um, pick up three lessons, three keys for coming through mental health. 
This story is about a man called Elijah. He's a man of God. And one day he got really ticked off with the prophets of Baal. So he thought to himself, I'm going to challenge them to a contest. So these prophets didn't worship the true God. They worshipped the idols called Baal. So he went to these prophets and he said, listen, let's have a contest to bring your animals, build an altar, put your animals on the altar and call down your God and see if your God can consume the sacrifice and then it will be my turn. So the Baal prophets rocked up with their sacrifice all day. They're calling on their gods and dancing around the altar and Elijah's taunting them and saying, hey, your God must be asleep. What's going on there? Anyway, they finished. The next day, Elijah came through, same altar, put the animals on the altar. Um, I know if you're an animal lover, this is hard, but um, anyway, thousands of years ago in that culture. And um, poured water all over the altar, prayed to God, and in one moment, all the sacrifice was taken up by God and the wood, the stones, the soil, the water. And obviously Elijah won the contest and he said, yay, my God's bigger than your God. So many people through that turned their hearts to God. They seized the prophets. They dealt with the prophets. Then Elijah, not stopping, keeping on going, goes straight to King Ahab and talks about rain and prays for rain because there was a drought. The clouds gather. The rain comes after years of drought. And after all of this, Ahab's wife called Jezebel gets ticked off with Elijah and sends him a message and says, I'm coming after you and I'm going to get you. So Elijah, the Bible says, is full of fear. So don't forget he's a man of God. He's bold. He's just done, been used by God for a miraculous defeat of the enemy. The Bible says he was afraid and he ran for his life. He travels for days, he's exhausted, he curls up in a cave and he tells God that he's had enough and prays that he would die. It was a bit like really wanting to commit suicide. So Elijah was spiritual, but he still had fear. And in this story, it shows that he had mental health issues, wanting to take his own life. So three keys from this story. The first thing is this. We all need to process our life. When was the last time you stopped and processed things that had happened to you? Stuff happens. We are human beings living in a broken world. We have limitations and we are not su Superman. Um, Elijah kept going. He needed a break. He needed a Sabbath. He needed to talk to a supervisor. He needed his little small group. We all need to stop and process what has happened to us Otherwise, eventually, it will overtake us. It might take you to your 50s or your 60s, but eventually what happens to us, if we don't process, overtakes us. <laughs> the more you go through, the more you need to process. In life, we face trauma, misunderstandings, unfairness, disappointment, shattered dreams, loss, and all these things, if we don't process, process them, get stuck in our memories, our emotions, and distort our thinking. You know, in the old days, they used to take photos. The negative, they used to take the negative. They used to go into a dark room and process it, and they used to bring it out into the light. And there was the photo, full of light, the truth, and colour. Basically, that's a little bit like our life. When stuff happens, do we have to take it into the dark room, take the negative thing into the dark room, process it, and then we bring it out 
into the light and it's the picture of truth and hope that will take us into our future. Elijah's thoughts had become inaccurate. He was catastrophizing. He's saying to God, I want to die. Why did you bring me here? All hope is lost. And eventually God comes to him. Elijah goes into the room. Not really. He was in a cave. But God comes to him, processes, processes him. This is what God says to him. God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Get up and eat. Go back the way you came, 7,000 men. There are still 7,000 men who are standing with you. So exactly what Elijah did. He took the negative, he processed with God, and he came back out with a different photo, and he went back into his future. And that's exactly what I had to do. You know, I had years of laying down the wrong tracks of self-hate. So I had to go into that room many times, continually realign process the dark thoughts and, and lay different tracks, lay tracks of self-love and God, that God loved me. And I want to ask you this question, what tracks in your brain, what new tracks do you have to lay down? Nobody else can do it for you. And it starts in your mind, starts in your thoughts. So what tracks do you need, new tracks do you need to lay down in 2021? The next thing is this, we heal in community. You know, Elijah did something really stupid. He took himself away from the community. He left his servant behind and he chose isolation. And mental health thrives and breeds in isolation. We are human beings. We're not made for solitude. We're not made for isolation. We're made in the image of God. What does the image of God look like? Well, God lives in relationship. He dwells in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and you and I are made for attachment and community. You know, my mum attended a recovery group. Um, she found a safe group. There was no judgment. There was acceptance. For 10 years, she attended this group, and in this community, she could heal. Interesting about this community, it was one of those small groups where everyone was completely honest and open about their brokenness, a little bit like what Matt shared the, earlier in the message, there was no pretense. Um, if there's pretense, we can't heal. It's only in truth, bring the truth out in light, that we heal. All right. And the last one is this. Um, so you need to process your life. You need to find a safe, small community with no pretense and no judgment and acceptance. And the last one is this. You need to look after yourself. You know, Elijah curled up under a tree and you would think that God would come to him and do a little bit of a spiritual dance and put some Hillsong music on and say, here, quote, memorise this scripture um, or pray. Um, but he told him this. The first thing he said was this. Get up and eat something. How non-spiritual. But actually very spiritual because God knew that Elijah had to look after himself. Sometimes the answer is take a Sabbath. Go on a holiday. Go for a walk. Climb a mountain. Pretend you are Maria on the sound of the music, on sound of music when you climb that mountain. I put that in my notes. I thought it would come across really well, but anyway. Um, <laughs> go to a musical. Bake sourdough. Do you know that some people in our church actually bake sourdough? 
You know, if you are one of those people, write it in the chat. I'm so impressed with people who bake sourdough. I will never be one of those people that bake sourdough. Um, <coughs> you could ride a horse. You could eat healthy food. You could lose weight. You could start exercising. You could buy some new shoes. You could put boundaries up. Boundaries are what keeps good things in and bad things out. You know, sometimes for mental health, you've got to be really careful who's in your small group and who you are listening to. Those toxic people, you need to limit your exposure to them. And you know that that person that comes to you and wants to have coffee with you, but they drain you, you need to say no. Everybody needs a no button. You know, years ago, Pietro gave me this no button. It's so good, I keep it on my desk. For the last time, no. So, um... You don't quite say it like that, uh, but you have to get really good at saying no. Your emotional and mental and spiritual health is a total priority of your life, um, and it's your responsibility. You actually can't blame anybody else. Uh, you can't blame the government. You can't blame God, God. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame the church. You have to take responsibility for looking after yourself and your own health. Get off social media. Sit under a tree and eat sourdough. Um, I wrote this. You and I are not the answer to the world. Jesus is. We all take our gift and for the short time we are here on earth, we steward it and we make a humble contribution. I'm going to pray in a minute, but I just want to finish with this you know, about once a month when I'm talking to my mum, she finishes the phone conversation with this. Remember, Roz, Jesus' words, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. She has defied everyone's prediction and I love those four words. Be of good cheer. Give yourself permission to be of good cheer. You know, one of the enemy's biggest lies is that there is nothing you can do and that it will always be the same. That is not actually true. You know, the scripture I first read at the beginning of this message was, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of, fear, but of love, power, empowerment, and sound mind. So you, I nearly said sourdough. Um, I've got sourdough <laughs> on the brain. Um, God has empowered you. God has empowered you to make choices. They might be tiny little choices. You might take the first step today, but I want to encourage you. You are empowered to change your life. You can start processing your life. You can see a counsellor. You can look after yourself. You can heal in community. Um, so I encourage you to do that. Do not cave to the lie that there is nothing you can do. And uh, I want to pray. And um, so won't you join me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for that incredible scripture. Great truth that we declare over our lives. That you haven't given us the spirit of fear. So we say fear, get out of our life. Dread. Dread of the future, get out of our life, get out of our thinking. And we thank you, Jesus, that you've given us a spirit of love, 
power. We are empowered and a sound mind. And I pray for anyone who's listening today and they're believing the lie that there is nothing that they can do and that there is nothing, um, nothing will ever change. I speak to that lie and I say, you are a lie. And Father, I just pray right now to anyone that's listening to that lie that they will open up their heart and say, God, what can I do? And they will have an Elijah in the cave moment, Lord Jesus, and you will speak to them in the dark room and they'll beginning, begin to process some of their thoughts. Lord Jesus, what is the next step you want me to take back into sound mind? And you know, if anyone out there is listening also and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus Christ into your life. You know, it was really when I was 20 years old that the journey really of sound mind started. It was a journey, an incredible journey of love and hope. You know, really suicide is the loss of hope. I've got nothing to live for. The, the hope is gone. That's the one thing that Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is hope. He brought into my life hope. Hope for the future. Hope for eternity. Hope for my relationships. Um, hope, giving me hope and a meaning in life. So I want to pray this prayer. And if you want to invite Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, into your life, join me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are here and that you hear me and you know me. And today, Lord Jesus, I ask you into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my stuff-ups, all my mistakes. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love me so much. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come in and fill me with hope for my future and be my friend in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, church. We love you. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.